Hola YouTube, my name is Ricardo Lino and I'm a wheel addict. Welcome to Skate Talks. Today my guest is Australian, but he lives in LA, Los Angeles. He just turned 31 years old and over the last few months I'm pretty sure that you've seen a lot of stuff from him. Basically, he's the guy behind the first video that you've seen with damn skates. He has a pretty unique style and I don't really think he forgot. So, ladies and gentlemen, my guest today is Mr. Robbie Pitts. So, let's give Mr. Robbie Pitts a call and see what he's up to. Hey, man. How you doing? <laughs> Pretty good. Lovely to hear from you. Very nice to talk to you. Ah, thank you so much, Robbie. Did you just got to the car or you just end up staying in the basement? I'm staying in the basement. It's fine. I'll stay here. <laughs> You're not scared of spiders? No, no, no. Nothing of that. I just like thought maybe um, my housemates upstairs moving around might be loud or something for for you on your end but maybe it's okay Nah, it won't be a problem anyway whatever it's the safest for cool. you <laughs> cool i'm safe down here okay so just a little introduction for whoever is listening to this so right now it's eight yeah eight a.m for me in south africa what time is it there robbie it's uh 11 p.m um in los angeles Okay, so we're, California, we're in completely States. different days. <laughs> I, <laughs> yes, I, I had my rest. Yeah, very true. <laughs> You're just beginning. <laughs> I'm just ending. And that's it. <laughs> okay, so, oh my God, I'm just m moving things with my hands and it's making a, n a noise. Anyway, so let's start that's with so this. That's so cool. Robbie, right. for yes. how long have you been skating and what did got you into skating? Well, um, uh, I've been skating since basically 1998. That's when I really uh, first started skating and kind of got hooked on, I guess, what I would call and what most other people call um, aggressive skating. Um, I had I'd previously uh, skated before that. Like I can't remember the exact year I first tried on inline skates. But um, before 98, I definitely had been on skates, like going to roller rink, the part of school and holiday programs and just kind of doing it. It was, a, you know, obviously a very common and popular thing for people to do. So as a kid, I'd already been on skates. And I think even before 1998, I got a pair of skates for either Christmas or birthday. And they were just – they were a brand called Malibu and they were just a very standard uh, – Kmart brand type skate that uh, had three um, type of buckles on them instead of a lacing system. But yeah, so so it was a but I was got it aggressive skate with three buckles. No, no, it wasn't aggressive. It was just you know a recreational skate okay. that you would get from. I think you would get it from Kmart. Very very cheap skate. Mm -hmm. But it was around 1998, um, just before my birthday, which uh, just passed recently which is on the uh, 20th of april and Late so just birthday. a little bit <laughs> but it, thank you very much thank you i just turned 31 so um yeah it was coming up to my 11th birthday and and how i got into it was uh in primary school um my friends uh we used to do this thing i guess in 
schools at that time um, was called. I just went to a you know a co-education primary school, and uh, but at the time I guess they did this thing called religious education. Uh, it was just one random class, maybe once a month or a week. I can't remember which it was. Um, and yeah, it's just everyone sort of participated if you weren't religious or not. Um, and I, I, I guess to preface that is I, I didn't grow up in a religious family or anything. Mm-hmm. But and anyway, what happened was is a lot of the kids came together from all the different classes and not only the same year, but I had some friends in the year above. And when we were in this class together, they – brought all these role betting magazines and I'd never seen anything like that before. So we'd all look at them and, and, uh, you know, it was like daily bread and uh, four in a row, which was the Australian mm-hmm. magazine at the time. And they just looked incredible to me. It was, it was, it was something I'd never really seen. And I was just so captivated by it. And kind of from then on, uh, when we'd have uh, recess and lunchtime, all my friends would all be talking about, you know, grinding and going skating on the weekend because that's kind of what they're all doing. So me and my friends of my age were, you know, thinking about getting skates and it was one Friday evening with my family. We went to the – we'd usually go to the shopping center to have, you know, do a grocery shopping and have a have a meal. And on the way out, the very last thing before the uh, parking lot was um, a sports store. And on the very outside of the sports store was a huge wall of inline skates. I was like, oh, my God, mom, 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 can we please go in there? Can we please go in there? Because um, I, I wanted aggressive skates, and I knew I knew of um, Oxygens, and I really, really wanted a pair of these Oxygens. They were like a baby blue color. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, was it the Tasha skate? AR. The Tasha Orgeson or something? I don't, think, I don't think that they were those. I feel like hers were a higher cut, but they, these were like the low-top versions. And oh, I yeah, think yeah, they yeah. Just that was later. I think that they was later. Called, yeah, the high tops. Yeah, that was the low top and the high top. The high top was yeah. a, gray, a dark gray one, and the low top was the the color that you're saying, like a super light gray, like a baby blue, something like that. Yeah. Well, uh older family friend had them, and I just thought they looked really, really cool. So I wanted those. And obviously, as a kid, I would get very, very small amount of money for my birthday. And these skates, I think, were like $380 or something. So for a kid that's who's 11, turning 11, it's like an absurd amount of money. But I guess I kind of convinced, you know, through my enthusiasm that I really wanted these skates. So instead of getting the, the $380 one, I got the model down, which is kind of like a greeny, brassy gold kind of color. It was called the Oxygen A Argon Stock. Yeah, I remember uh, TJ Weber. TJ Weber skated them quite often. So I got those. I think they were like $315. And what I would do is I would uh, mow my lawn, my family's lawn, every week and I'd have $5 each time I did it. So I was like crossing off the list, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but that's that's basically how I got into it. And me and uh, basically two or three other friends of ours um, in primary school, we just started like skating around the street. And my friend had this house that had a veranda, went went all the way around it. So we would just go skate right around and just do laps of his house. And we were kind of really influenced by the Mighty Ducks. And there was also a TV show in Australia called Heartbreak High, which often featured at least like one of the characters was an inline skater. I remember. Was it John and, Pollard or something uh, like that? Yeah, John Pollard was one of them. He was a character called Bolton. And yeah, I remember that. Was, uh, you know that that used to play also in Europe, huh? That was not just an Australian oh, really? show. Yeah, I used to see it, and I, I used knew, to be a big I fan knew, of him. 
Oh, rad. That's awesome. Yeah, but I know it was in, in English, uh, like it was also shown in England as well. But yeah, that's really cool to hear. Yeah, he's, he, he, guys, I remember like, that he was crazy at skating. I remember he was the, one of the first guys that I've seen trying front flips in street, like real street front right? flips, which back then, I guess the Australians were the only ones trying. You know, there was a Swiss guy, uh, Nicky Blues, True. I think that was his name, trying. But other than that, it was only Australians, like Matt Salerno used to do them. But okay, going back to sure. what you're saying, sorry. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, I, of course, like, um, that's fun. I mean, yeah, John Pollard, who played Bolton, and then there was also uh, Callum Mulvey, who played Drazik, which was another character later in the years. But th they were, like, really influential to me, and, and I just kind of got inspired to skate. I think as well as what I was really interested in is that aggressive skating seemed to be something that was kind of um, anti-authoritarian and sort of embraced non-conformity. I tried traditional sports beforehand, particularly cricket, and I, I always felt the pressure of being in a team and not being really that kind of physically mm -hmm. capable of being good at sports and always felt like I was at the low end of a team and like the, the adults like telling you how to perform and what to do, and I kind of didn't like that authority and also because I wasn't being rewarded by feeling good by you know being a good cricket player or whatever, so... All, all of this, like with skating, seemed to be you just went on your own. It yeah. did whatever. And it kind of was also there was this like element of that you were kind of doing something you shouldn't. Like it was a little bit naughty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I kind of liked that because I was always a pretty like – I would say generally I was, you know, a good kid. Um, I had my moments, but I always was intrigued by people who were kind of doing bad things. It was your opportunity um, to be a gangster. <laughs> in a way yeah so anyway that's that's i guess from there and and i should i, I should also say this uh, this was in a small town in um northern sorry we lost you there for a Palmerston. second we lost you there for a second can you just say where was it it was in a small uh, town and then yeah yeah it's a small town in northern australia called palmerston so mm -hmm. it was like way way away from the main areas of Australia, which are Sydney and Melbourne. Okay, how Melbourne many, how many people live in that city? Moved. Um, how big was? Uh, I think it's. I think at the time, like maybe twenty-five thousand. Yeah. It was really small. Yeah, it's kind of no. It's like so, like the place where I come from in Portugal. My the place where I, I come oh, really? from is like ten thousand, so it's even smaller. Oh wow! Sure. Yeah, but it is what it is, man. We here. <laughs> yeah no that's right exactly right <laughs> in, in two completely different continents i grew up in in europe i'm in africa you grew up in australia you're in america and mm -hmm. it doesn't matter where we come from but something no. that i just that stayed on on my mind right now after what you just said is we all know like the the, the rest of the skating industry like whoever is skating nowadays when they heard of Robbie Pitts, they obviously know like a super original style, not just in skating, <coughs> but also the way you dress and everything. But it's funny because right. something that just stayed on my mind was, wait, Robbie Pitts' first skate were gold. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was it, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, kind, yeah, kind of an unusual color, that's for sure. Yeah, see? It said it all. It was all there, man. So that's the <laughs> question that I'm sure I made it to you a few months ago. Yep. And I yep. guess like everyone does it. Where does your influence come from? I do know the era that that comes from, but I'm right. 
I don't know enough. So can you tell us okay. a little bit? All right, sure. Yeah. Um, well, I guess first to say off, like I always, right. So I guess there's a number of things. So being young and redheaded, first of all, um, I would often be told that, you know, like, oh, you're so, it's so, you're so lucky to have your hair color. Like, you know, this is obviously by like adults telling me this. And I never really appreciated kind of um, having red hair and, and it being a, a sign of individuality and, and, a, and a uniqueness. It's something that I would now obviously later embrace. But as a kid, I was kind of ostracized a lot and, you know, made fun of because I was different and because of the way I looked. Mm -hmm. So I always admired people who had a very strong visual appearance that looked different, that were alternative. And, you know, like I was saying, like characters like Bolton and Drazik and Hypebreak High, they were kind of these more like rebellious punk kind of looking people, 90s punk kind of people. And so I always loved looking at people who looked different and challenged. And, and I never had quite a lot of uh, self-confidence. So I always admired people like that, but I wasn't so much like willing to, you know, stand out and do that myself. So um, I guess as, as I got older, one of the things I also was always interested in is, is the way in which people looked in different, like, generations past. You know, you're looking like the 1700s and you're like people dressed completely differently, obviously, to the modern age. Mm -hmm. And I was always really intrigued by that, that, like, dress and uh, fashion styles can obviously change and I always kind of liked the idea of dressing up because it has this um, aspect of like um, transformity you you can be someone else it's like playing it's playing dress up like it's acting you 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 know particularly as I said I wasn't someone who was so self-confident uh, self-confident and had a lot of sense of who I was dressing up and being different um, I guess their confidence somehow. well it, it could, could be a way but I didn't really embrace it until I was about 18 so before that I was really inspired by you know um, like one of the first people that I was immediately inspired by uh, was John Elliott because you know yeah he was like the the kind of rock and roll aesthetic that he embraced you know from like brain fear gone onwards just really really intrigued me and I and I, I loved it and right. then another person later who inspired me was Brandon Matier mm -hmm. um, from Kansas City and, yep. and oh, from, from KFC. And he, like, he, the way he looked, you know, he, he dressed in, in baggy clothes of, of, of the time as well and often wore a lot of, you know, skate-orientated T-shirts and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But he had really, really long hair. And I loved his long hair, so I started, I grew my hair out. Um much to my, uh, I remember my mum not wanting me to grow my hair out. She kept saying that uh, you need to have a style. You can't just grow your hair long. But I was sort of, you know, insistent. So I, I grew it long, and then it really was up until um, I can really recall this one this one moment. It was in Daily Bread, two thousand and five. I think the January issue, which um, uh, featured the interview with Charles Dunkel. Yeah, I remember and that one. There is a lucky seven of Ollie Short in that, and he's he's doing a fish brain stall on this little tiny fence, uh, like an edge of a, po a pole that's attached to a wire fence. And he's wearing these, like, uh, 
those like stonewashed gray uh, tight jeans, you know, a black and white striped button shirt. And he had his like his long hair with his, uh, you know, fringe, his bangs and all black M12s. And it was a complete antithesis of the total style that you would see at the time. Mm-hmm. And I'd always loved seeing photos of him. It's like, you know, um, wearing flares and bell bottoms and whatnot in the 70s. And I kind of always was intrigued by that. So people, people, uh, and this was just around when I was just before I was 18. And I'd really liked uh, Forever Now, and I was getting real into people like Mikey Yeager. Yes. Um, and, 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 and Chase Rushing, and, and of course, Ollie Short. And I kind of just got inspired to start to dress differently. So, and I guess at the same time, I was really getting into different styles of music too. So I was kind of looking at more um, late 70s um, punk music, like uh, Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers, and then obviously before that, like the New York Dolls. All of these like influences kind of started me on this trajectory of like dressing differently um, and more like of a way in which I really wanted to see myself. And through the whole process, it was very much one of those things that, you know, I encountered kind of hostility from, I guess, you know, some of my friends or just people I would encounter in the street. Because at the time, like, you know, this is around 2005, it wasn't very common to see um, men in general wearing really uh, fitting jeans, you know, and clothing. So there's, there's kind of something um, metaphoric about, like, going from wearing really baggy clothes because I was wearing XL-sized T-shirts, Wait, sometimes where, double XL. Right? Where can we see that? You need, we need to see that somewhere. Tell us that there's <laughs> any place where... Uh, there's a, there's, I think there's some stuff online. Like, uh, um, There's a video. I don't actually know if it's the whole video is online, but there's a video called The Neon Roller Ballad, which is a film that came out in Australia, Melbourne specifically. Mm-hmm. I think came out... I think it was released in 2005, but it was mainly filmed in 2004. And I have footage in that, but I, I'm not sh- And I used to skate, you know, rollerblade TRS all the time. And so I had a very, you know, an image. And were you still living in that time, tiny yeah. town back then? Or you... you no. You were, okay. So basically, so I'd, the way I'd you dress and Melbourne. everything, the way, the way you dress and everything didn't start in a small town. Like when you started, like, the Yeah, change. I moved... I'm, yeah, I, I moved to Melbourne when I was 13. So a lot of my skating years was has been in Melbourne. Um, and I guess like to to maybe just wrap up what I was saying in regards to the clothing, I, I'll, I'll, I'll segue into the Melbourne. But like, so if, if you look at it from about 2005 now, the whole, the whole time it has – can't look at me now and, and go, oh, he's always been dressing like, you know, exactly as I am now because it's been an evolutionary process. Like even, even let's say like, you know, five years ago to 10 years ago, I was, I was dressed within a different style to what most people were. But I, over the course of 10 years, I've been refining my own taste, my interests, whilst also constantly being something that's uh, developing and evolving and that's kind of like I find clothing for myself as, as, as something that's playful and it's fun and I love to explore so as much as people say to me that oh you look very 70s 
which is generally where a lot of my you know inspiration comes from um i have a lot of influences outside of the 70s period like i love things that are you know 80s i love things that are 90s i love things that are 60s and 50s even before that there's periods where i was dressing not skating wise but i was dressing more inspired by like you know english victorian era and um i just kind of love the idea of dressing up and and being something that you're obviously not but it's kind of funny because through that whole process but i guess it's made me feel empowered mm-hmm. it, it, helping me it helped me i guess give a, a feel a sense of identity and within that it's funny because that whole thing of like being playful and dressing up you know to be something that um you know to, to be someone else so to speak um has in turn turned into this identity that people see me as that i'm this 70s guy this role better and whatnot but you know again it's all just like something that is constructed you know it's all just still just an aesthetic yeah but, but um, the thing is with all, even yeah. with all the time that you've been like you said you've been kind of like dressing up you've been mm. having to deal with people's judgment how do you deal with it because i i see it you know it better than i do but there's it still happens every single time there's a there's a, obviously people now start getting more used to the way that you dress and the way that you look and, and people are start sure I, i guess since the beginning always a lot of people loved it and enjoyed it but it's weird <clears throat> to see like the eight comments like i'm sure that you saw the other right. day that one guy i'm sorry if i'm gonna say it but it's just like the guy that said that he looks like uh richie jackson's gay brother it's just i was looking at that uh, right. i was actually laughing just yeah. like really it's just yeah i mean i guess i guess to be honest um i mean to to me it's kind of got to the point where um i sort of see past sort of those those type of comments um because i feel like a lot of them come from very uninformed perspectives you know um I, like there was there was a point in time where i started to realize um that it, it there was no value in focus, focusing on people who were saying negative things about me mm-hmm. um my skating or myself or the way i dress um because there was uh, you know there was no reason to focus on those people and those comments when I need to focus on the people who actually love and appreciate what I do and those are the people that I that I am friends with that are my family that I admire and respect you know as as creatives and artists and and fellow uh rollerbladers so in the end I just started realizing that no all of those people collectively empower me to keep doing myself far more than those few random people who are saying that they don't like what i'm doing and usually those comments all really just come from a very you know surface judgment of of how i dress it's like i feel like when people make me maybe their ideas change about who i am or like if they get to interact with me and talk with me and see that i'm just a rollerblader the same as they are you know it just happens that i wear different clothes when i choose to do it but overall like we could both like geek out and talk about how much you know we love uh, Ollie Short together or Dustin Latimer or talk about how much BG7 inspired us together in the Josh Pitty section I would watch that like you know days on days on end <laughs> Me so too, there's, there's, <clears throat> like there's so much there's so much there's so much more commonality 
than what we look like. And this isn't just something that's relating to rollerblading. It's it's humans. Yeah, it's, it's you know what I mean. Like we we can be so judgmental of one another without actually interacting and meeting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing kind of that what shame. you're saying right now, it's actually for a lot of people. This should be a lesson that they should listen to and they should use it in their life because it's actually what it is. Like we need to learn how to filter. That's it. It's basically about filtering what we want, sure. what we need in our lives and what we don't need. And that's exactly what you're saying right now. It's like there will always, always be people that like what you do and people that well, don't like what you do and you need to exactly you need to filter what you want to obviously you're gonna you're gonna listen a lot more things that you want but you need to filter yep. what you want to keep for yourself and that's what you do and you do amazingly good and that's thank you i think i think one of the main thing is that like you need to end up realizing that uh you need to do these things for yourself you know, and for me, because like I said, like when I started dressing differently, I encountered people who like, you know, would laugh at me or like, you know, you could tell that they were looking at me in the street or even my friends who I skated with, like who were still wearing, you know, uh, loose fitting clothes of, of the time and maybe like feeling uncomfortable that I was wearing tighter, you know, clothes or whatever. But in the end, it was something that I felt good about and I really wanted to do. So there's a sense um, there was a learning experience in dressing differently and having to like experience that kind of judgment yeah. and to learn to basically be, I don't care. This is how I want to be. As long as I'm not in physical danger, you know, like it doesn't matter if someone says they don't like it. Like, all right, cool. That's, that's fine. You know, um, I do. I yes. mean, <laughs> there's, yeah. I mean, in the end, there's, there's, there's lots of things that, um, perhaps, I don't, you know, appreciate or, but I can respect that someone else is choosing to do that. As long as it's not negatively affecting other people's lives, I kind of don't really have a problem with it, you know? So I think self-expression is so important, but it's also, there's, there's a point where you need to respect other people's choices to do the things that they want to do. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> I love it. I love oh, it. You're I'll, welcome. I love it how, how you go all around these questions and you have like explanations for everything. But now I have another question. So, oh, thanks, Ben. All that, right. So, yeah, yeah. so <laughs> I see that you go like in depth into everything. But when we first started this conversation, you said that you started inline skating and what used to be called um, aggressive inline skating. But then I've yeah. seen that with time, you slowly started changing like the more to the actual date that we are right now the more you start calling mm -hmm. it blading so if you refer to what right. we do now yeah. you call it blading but back then you used to call it aggressive skating is there a reason for that all right well so yeah i guess that's an interesting you know thing to discuss because yeah when i first started um i just called it skating you know going out yeah. with my friends that's i'd be like oh, i'm going skating i'm going skating right because particularly at the time, there were so many different forms of skating. You know, there wasn't any really a strong hierarchy in at least where I was living, um, you know, in the late 90s. It was, you if you skate, there was skate, it was like skate culture. So there was, you know, inland skating, there was skateboarding, there was roller skating. You know, like you sort of had your preference of what you liked, but at least to me, like it was all kind of under the quote-unquote action sports, extreme sports type you know, mm -hmm. things. So 
uh, I just call it skating. And I guess particularly like aggressive skating to differentiate from recreational or speed yeah, or it seem, hockey. It seems like somehow yeah. back then we had something against like, I don't know why, but like yeah. people used to be like, no, I mean, I, no, allergic. To right, that. right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I just liked anything on skates because I wanted to, to actually uh, play roller hockey because of um, the Mighty Ducks, but I didn't end up signing up for a team and then I just started street skating. And we didn't even have a skate park at the time, so I literally was just doing, you know, trying to grind benches and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, small town so problems, man. So it wasn't man, really I had the until, same. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then eventually, skate park got built and whatnot. But as far as the name, like when I moved to Melbourne, I think that's where I started encountering more of like the kind of noticeable um, hostility between the inline skating and skateboarding kind of cultures because it's a bigger city, you know, and the skate culture is way more developed. And that was particularly, that was at the, that was at the end of 2000. So that was kind of more when that kind of, you know, uh, hostility started to come about. Um, and then I guess within the years, you know, as we, uh, most people who've been skating for a long time know that, you know, inline skating popularity dropped and skateboarding's popularity rose. So a lot of people who I went to school with and also family members and whatnot, they didn't really know the term uh, skating. They like, Or as in, they didn't refer to skating as inline skating. They would just constantly think, you say skate or skating, that's skateboarding. Because no one roller skated, you know, in the early 2000s, at least around my, uh, you know, friendship groups and family and whatnot. And no one really inline skated anymore either. So really skate was skateboarding. So, mm -hmm. but I would say rollerblading in the case to those sort of people who were the uninformed. And to be honest, I actually used to kind of cringe when people would at school would be like, oh, there's your blades, you know, or um, are you going blading? Like I kind of, I, th I saw the term blades and blading as sort of a almost derogatory sort of term, but they weren't really conscious of being mean. Mm -hmm. But it's sort of like the culture around it was that, yeah, you don't really respect it in a way where you don't, you don't even understand it. It's like the uninformed term. It's like calling it blading, but it's actually just skating. So I had a lot of like, I guess, personal issues with that, so to speak. But it really wasn't until, you know, I think 2010 onwards, where it was like I started noticing that in the culture in general, that there was this way of this like this way of people were embracing and reclaiming the term blading and blade. You know, it sort of started to become almost like a buzzword, mm -hmm. and I sort of started to see a sense of potential empowerment by it. Um, that that uh you know, by, by, by using the term rollerblading uh, and blading, it could be understood by people who didn't skate um, and it could be recognizable. And it's also that, like, the term blade sort of had, like, an edge to it, you know, not to make a pun, but, you know, it's sort of, I don't know, it, it was something that, like, I started to consciously use and be like, oh, yeah, I'm a rollerblader. So if people... I think it also was to do with my I, my myself with identifying as being an inline skater. But don't and you think don't you think to... that we have 
a lack of consistency because the mean the reason yeah why, i agree for the sure. reason why i say that is like i'm going to give you a really simple example that you live with right now i think every day as an example right um yep. what's the name of john julio's um event blading cup right blading cup yeah what's the name of his new skate brand them skates see but see this is this This is where this this is kind of where there's sort of this interesting kind of gray area because you know um, it could be like you could say blading cup and inline skating events. I I perf- you know what I mean? but I'm not saying that anything that anything is wrong and I'm not man I'm the last one to point anything to John Julie like I love what he does and I guess <laughs> no, everyone no, 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 does no, no, no. and it's this but the reason yeah, yeah. why I said is like I, I had a, one of these skate talks with tom heiser and tom heiser as you know is right. he's one of the main heads yeah roll, at, he, he works for rollerblade yeah he's one of the main heads at rollerblade and he was the as as someone who is consistently in contact with the main guys at rollerblade like he's one of them sure. he said like we should call it inland skating and you see guys like you know who daniel daniel aldridge is right daniel aldridge yeah of course okay Great so Dan, yeah daniel aldridge he He works for rollerblade. He is a rollerblade skater, and even him, he's been yeah. posting a lot on Facebook lately about how it should be called. This, it's not up to me, and I made a video about it. It's not up to me to say it's inline skating or rollerblading or whatever. We should call it whatever we want. But I, I mm. keep thinking the same, and I don't know if you have the same idea or if you're on the same side as I am, which is the yeah. main advantage for some of these sports is that they are loyal to a name and some of them they're even universal like mm. the bmx a bmx is a bmx no matter mm. where you are it's a bike but it's a bmx sure and i know that a, BM- yeah. a bmx it's it's a super specific type of bike of course we all know that the biking world is huge but you might be in china you might be in russia you might be whatever it's always going to be a bmx and when it comes to us it's in portuguese it's, it's all skating <laughs> yeah it is all skating but like it's just weird it's, 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 I, i keep saying i kept i think that somehow this can be a barrier because in yeah. russia there will be a name in polish there I will be another that. name and then the biggest problem here is that even when we speak english we have mm. different names for what we do and then right we, we have other well, s- sports that somehow inside skating There's all these right. different things that if we all somehow, obviously we are not the same. It's not the exact mm. same, but we use the same type of, we use skates. We use a shoe with wheels. And we mm. could empower ourselves by using the same name. Because, I don't know, man. Right. Well, well, for me, like, uh, I think, like, cause I often, like I said, um, I do use the term rollerblading a lot. Um, I do sometimes also use the term blading. And sometimes blades too. But I often, the most, the common word that I use is skating and skates. These are my skates. Because regardless of, you know, whatever you choose to, you know, say in the end, that's what they are. They're skates. As long as you do it, that's um, the most important yeah. thing. Well, oh, no, for sure. Well, I see, to me, like, I like, I, I guess using the term skating references that you're a, you're a part of a greater um, kind of history of what is skating, you know, because there is, there's ice skating, 
there's roller skating, there's skateboarding, there's inline skating. You know, they're all like a, all like sub-disciplines of this one kind of greater act, which exactly. is skating. Exactly. You know, and I think, and I think that's like in the end, I say skating and I say skates, but it's kind of it's kind of like to use the term rollerblading or to use the term blades. So blading is kind of a more uh, colloquial term. Yeah, that kind of like identifies a little bit kind of more, um, I, I would say. Because often rollerblading seems to be used far more, um, I would seems to assume, like to assume that it's far more used in the uh, aggressive skating community. Yeah, that's what as I was going to say. To, What's your opinion yeah. about using the word aggressive? Because you're saying like you, you usually refer more to blades. And when was the last time that you say, I'm going to go aggressive skating? Uh, I yeah I never really ever use that I, I do I do think it's it does seem to be a term that's kind of um, you I know I don't like it I use it sometimes because it's the name of it still <laughs> but I don't right. like it I don't like the word aggressive right <laughs> well yeah I think I think it's I think the other thing is it also like uh, you know it's um, aggressive you know it's an adjective so it references you know a certain kind of style and approach you know, to people who don't even know, you think of the word aggressive and then you attach that to skating, it conjures up ideas of what that might be. But, you know, like, like I, I wouldn't really refer to the, my approach, you know, to skating. Dude, I would as call whatever you do like poetic. <laughs> I would call it right. like poetic skating. It's just like, <laughs> right, right, right. It, it sure. Just... <laughs> I love so, it. So, yeah, I don't, I, thank you. I, I, I don't, it's it's that applicable, you know, to a lot of um, skating in the modern age because there's such diversity. You know, it made it really made sense in terms of at the time, you know, where a lot of it was, um, you know, just pure grinding and jumping things and expressing yourself in that kind of way. And being you know, punks, basically. Yeah, yeah, and skating has has um has really developed so much, you know, in in those years, and so. I don't know. It's it's a uh, it's it's really kind of hard to say. The term that I often the term I often use to people um, is street skating. It is. That's what I often tell people that I do. Like, but I if mean, you go to I a also, park, you know, my, well, I often I often this so this in the. Sorry, we lost you. We lost you there for a second, huh? Oh, you're right. Sorry. So I, I might be. You know, conversing with someone and telling them that I'm a skater, you know, I might end up being saying, "Oh, yeah, I'm a rollerblader," or whatnot. Yeah. Or they might say, "Like, oh, I hear you rollerblade," and I tell them, and then I explain my approach or whatever, and I'm like, "Yeah, but you know, my favorite thing to do is street skating. Like, I love you know going skating in a park or skating ramps, but the the style of skating that um, I most identify with is street skating. So." I often refer to what I do as street skating. Let me tell and you something. And so again, I don't, and I don't, I don't, and I don't say street blading or, or street rollerblading. Like they might have said, "Oh, I hear you rollerblade," but I end up saying street skating because <laughs> I, I do. I do think I like to. Okay. The, I was, I, yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> no, sorry, sorry. I think we lost. We were losing you again. Sorry. Continue. Sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm just sometimes I get too excited. Oh, no problem. <laughs> no, that's fine. It's yeah. I guess I was more just kind of like I just really want to, uh, I guess, state that I have always seen the potential for the harmony amongst all skating disciplines, and that's you know, inline skating, roller skating, and skateboarding. 
you know, and, and then and even non-skating like BMX and scootering and such. Like, the, yes, the communities may be separate, but we all can kind of coexist as we all are kind of trying to generally achieve the same sort of thing. We're in the same landscape. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all at the same skate park. We're all in the same street spots. We're trying to, you know, the the goal is really the same, is to do tricks, you know, or to um, do certain movements or whatever. You have to challenge um, yourself, I would but, say. But, yeah, but the uh, the tool in which you're, you're choosing to do it in is, you know, uh, it might be the inline roller skate, the skateboard, but all in, the, in a sense, it's all a part of skate culture. So I often really like to use the term skating to people in the public just to kind of reinforce that like we're, we're all a part of this collective you know that like rollerblading isn't its own thing you know you might just use this from rollerblading to be more specific because you have four wheels in a line and maybe they don't understand they don't know the term line skating or whatever but in the end we all just skate and i don't i personally have a lot of friends who are skateboarders and mm. I don't really see that much of a difference between what we're doing. We could all go to the same spots. We'll all just approach it differently like me and five other rollerblades will but go to the dude, spots. But even, know, but even if you go with, with skates and it's the yeah. five guys, the five of you are going to approach it differently. It's just like that has to do with the way you look at things and with your creativity and man, it's exactly. I, I don't think it's because you're... It's just I truly believe that one of the reasons why we somehow sometimes are hated from skateboarders or from other action sports, it's because we somehow grew too fast. And some people said it before mm-hmm. that we kind of grew faster than we were prepared to. We knew how to do soul grinds, sure. soul grinds backsides, and, and that was it, soul grinds, frontsides, and backsides. And somehow the businessman saw an opportunity in it and they put all they could in us but dude, i think i really believe that they put it too early so somehow sure. all the other action yeah. sports there were trying to get up there for so long they felt somehow i don't know if you can use this word like it's like betrayed or something like that it's kind of like what a lot of action sports now see in scooters because i can i, I mean i can understand that on a business you know industry side for sure of course of course but we all yeah. know when the numbers start going down a little bit they're the first ones to go down and that's what i tried mm. a, a few weeks ago or a few months ago i made a little video about solomon and people got mad at me because when i said it sure it's amazing they did it they did amazing products but Yes, and I do know that it wasn't Solomon's choice to come out, to to leave the market, but they did. Yep. Because like yeah. it was a business decision. So Yeah. It, it is kind of frustrating, but like you said, we need to understand it's business. There's someone making money out of it and if they're not making as much as they want, they just drop it. So that's kind of like what happened right. with I believe that that the way or how fast we grew made other sports look at us differently and nowadays yes we are a lot different a lot smaller but a lot more solid i would say so i in my opinion i think like this is one of the best times you know of role thing i've ever been a part of and yeah i've been skating um for for 20 years and i i really think this is like an incredible time for you know for rollerblading inline skating right now it's There's so much sol- you know, so much solidarity, um, you know, across the entire like globe right now. 
That's awesome. Okay, so I have to say something. You were just talking about sure. the way you like street skating and all that stuff. And I was just thinking, man, I love the way you skate flat. Just flat. I, sometimes to watch you skate, I Thank don't you. think you need anything. You don't even need a sidewalk or anything like that. So before <laughs> I go you. to the next question, I'm going to ask you for something. Yep. Whenever you have sure. the time, whenever you have five minutes, ten minutes, all I'm going to ask you to is just to put a phone on the ground and just film you doing some flat ground tricks and please send it to me just that I, i would just love to edit something with just you skating like just ground it doesn't even you don't even need to okay. see the full body just like just from hips down just All like right. your feet the way you, i would love to see it it's just i think would be something really awesome because it, it's super super unique and it just needs to be done <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'd be happy to. Thank you. I would love wow, to. That's very no. nice to hear. Uh, I did. I did made you a question when I when I first met you for the like in real life, which was this year mm -hmm. at Winter Clash. We stayed like talking yeah. till too late in in Amsterdam. Yep. And I Always made good you, times. <laughs> I made you this question: Why did you move to the USA, or how did the whole move happen, and what do you right. find it to be different? in the USA compared to Australia and I would love you to and I would want you to to answer this but before that yeah I want you to just explain a little bit of your um, the way that you are connected with them and how you were connected with Velo because that was also super interesting when sure. you told me that okay. you were buying your own skates and all that can you please just give it a little bit yeah. of an all introduction right. how you met John and how the whole thing okay. happened and how you are like connected to John right now and okay. sure all right I'll, okay so um, basically let's let's start like like I said I've been skating since 1998 moved to Melbourne in 2000 skated you know, um, for many years there with a number of skaters, particularly um, my good friends uh, Gav Drum um, and Chad Thackeray. And let's, like, go to – we had, you know, a great crew that would always get together for making videos and whatnot. And in 2008, I was already in university. I was studying graphic design, and I was just enjoying skating, you know, just as – as a as a thing to do that I was always doing, it was something I love doing. Uh, but then when 2009 came around, um, my friend Ed Lou, who distributed M Goods in Australia, he told me that Arlo guys. Sorry, we lost you there for a little bit. Huh? We can't hear you now. Hello. Okay. I think, yeah, I think I lost you. That's okay. All right. Okay, I, I like I'll you were just go, saying I'll, I'll about your again. friend in Australia. Okay, sorry. Yeah, Ed, Ed was the uh, them good distributor in um, distributor in Australia, and he told me that the Valo team was coming uh, for a tour, and so he, you know, wasn't someone who knew all the spots in Melbourne. So he asked me like, "Oh, could you, you know, Drake, can you be able to show them around?" And, of course, naturally, I was, you know, jumped to that. And I was like, yeah, of course, I love that. So uh, this was around the time of uh, the what's called the ARO, the Australian Rolling Open, which mm -hmm. is uh, the national contest. And so they came down and they were filming for uh, Volley for Life at the time. And at the competition, um, 
that year I placed fourth in the Open. And um, I guess to say, like, I felt like I skated pretty well. What skates were you skating back then? Well, um, I actually was skating Shadows at that time. Um, but I don't, and I'd probably been skating them for maybe six months or so. Um, before that, I was pretty much skating um, the UFS M12 for maybe like, uh, I don't know, three, four years, interchanging those and Solomons. Okay. But um, I, yeah, I started skating Shadow. So at the time, I was skating Shadow. And after the, the contest, I was with um, uh, Alex Brosco, and he was saying, you know, that he and John thought I skated really, really well. And John, he asked me whether I was getting skates and I told him that, no, you know, I just, just skate for fun and whatnot. And he then said that, you know, John was interested in having you be a part of the Valo team because they were looking to start a Valo uh, team in Australia. So that was kind of the first instance where I was, I, I never ever thought sponsorship was going to ever be something for me in skating. I just loved to do it. And so it was never on my radar and then all of a sudden, you know, I got asked to be a part of it. And naturally, um, I loved Barlow and I loved everything that they were doing and, you know, hugely admired. And um, being asked Alex by Alex Brosko. So. <laughs> of course, that too. Um, and I had skated Barlow as well. Uh, I had the JJ light Velcros. Oh, sorry, not the lights, just the, the, the JJ Velcros. Yeah, the black And ones. so, yeah, so... So I I met them at that time, and you know we started this I guess you know uh, and be a part of Valo. And one of the things about winning that contest was that I placed I qualified for the um, AIL Championships uh, at Woodward West later that year. And with all of this, this you know Valo you know sponsorship and getting that opportunity for AIL, I was like well. I was having a lot of trouble actually with the university at, at the time and so I decided to defer my studies and I was like I'm going to America so I worked for you know the I guess like six six eight months uh, more of the year and saved up money actually incurred an ankle injury during that time which was really unfortunate and then what, flew myself what did, what to did America. You work with? What did you work in? Uh, at that time I was working um, so I I think I've mentioned this before somewhere else, but I've only I've only ever had three jobs in my life. I, the first job was a, a supermarket that I worked for five and a half years, and then I worked for American Apparel for eight years, and then now where I work currently in Los Angeles. But so I was working at American Apparel at the time. That's okay. where I was. Okay. So I just worked there full time and saved money and flew myself to America to be like, oh, I'm going to go over and stay with the Valo guys and. You know, to see what happens. So I went over there and, you know, John and Brandon were living together um, in the same loft that John still lives now. And I stayed with them and they were just so, so welcoming and it was like awesome to, because we'd already kind of got along very well in Australia and it just, I got to know them a lot, lot more like during that period. And I was starting to um, film a little bit with, with Yvonne who was, you know, filming for Valor for Life at the time. And then uh, I went back to Australia, and then the following year, I, I again uh, decided to, de- to defer my studies, and I saved money again to then make a trip out to go to the Valor for Life premiere. So I came out again the a second time, 
and you know stayed and traveled with Barlow guys went to the WRS uh, finals in New Hampshire and so all this kind of time I, I just you know got to you know develop a relationship with everyone who's a part of Barlow you know and, and John obviously being um, a founder of Barlow um, I got to know John really really well and so, but in between that period of coming back so from like 2011 onwards there was a period in 2012, I think it was, where our Australian distributor wasn't able to um, financially distribute Balo skates anymore. So John uh, was trying to see if he could directly send skates, but that was going to be really expensive for him. So we kind of just came to unanimous agreement that the Australian team wasn't going to go forth anymore until things changed. Maybe we had a distributor. So from that point onwards, I guess... I was technically not sponsored, but because I developed such a you know connection with John and everyone a part of the Valo team, it really because I was already in Valo for life, I really felt um, a part of the Valo family, and I really had no intentions or desires to skate any other skate. So from then on, I just purchased my own Valo skates. You know. Um, the only sad thing is I wasn't purchasing from an Australian skate you know, store. I had to purchase them from America, um, which I think I was generally purchasing from Aggressive Mall. So from basically 2012 up until um, so, the end sorry. of 2016. Sorry, uh, yep. I know what you mean by that, but for someone listening to this that yep. don't understand why you're saying, why did you say sadly you didn't got them? from us an australian oh store. right sure well i mean uh there really is such a small amount of stores in australia and there really was only one main store in melbourne called bayside blades that still to this day supports everything in australia particularly the melbourne scene and so when i say sadly is because you know they're the ones who like contributing money and putting on events and sponsoring local skaters you know, they're contributing to the Melbourne and Australian skate scene. So to not be able to purchase skates from them, which in turn would go directly back into them things for the local community, I was purchasing skates from Aggressive Mall who weren't giving any money to the Australian skate scene. Basically, so you're saying that people should support was, their local industries. Sure. But I guess for me, you know, I, I felt such a loyalty to Valo that, uh, it was just way it had to be that I had to purchase them from overseas because that loyalty, um, you know, it's not brand loyalty. It was like it's loyalty to my friends. Yeah, of course. But that, that's as much as thing. I believe, yeah, yeah. It's... But so that's that, that, that's why I kept buying Valos. And so even, even when I moved to, the, to Los Angeles, I still bought my own Valos. Like when I first moved here and like the skates that you may see me skating in paycheck like the cream Alex Brosco's and the white um, Russians, I bought both of those. I did, didn't. Did get you went to free, Did you went to, to John and bought them from John at Damn Goods Shop? Or? No, I bought uh, I bought them. Um, so the, the the white Russians, I I bought them from. Oh, I bought them from from Dosh from the Blade Store in Malaysia, mm -hmm. and he got any of them via Russia. But the the creams, the Brosco creams, I bought them from Matt Mickey at Intuition. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, my, my point, it was just that, like, I, I, I just wanted to support, you know. I wanted to, even though I was here and John actually offered to give me skates, I just felt compelled to 
you know, I didn't, I, I, I felt like I was helping out, you know, like Matt and Vicky and rollerblading by just purchasing from the stores because that's what I'd been doing for four years prior to that. Um, and it wasn't up until the maroon skate that I, 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 I guess I got my first free pair of skates in years. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Did you went yeah. out for dinner and? <laughs> <laughs> man, you, you got a free but, dinner man there's like <laughs> yeah it was I, oh no it was great i mean yeah i guess i guess what i'd done prior to that with chapter two and paycheck with those sections that i mean i if um i mean i wasn't I, i'm in no way saying that i deserved a free pair of skates but you know it definitely felt that um it felt like a nice gesture to be Yeah. to be asked if I wanted a, a pair of skates again. So, you know, that was nice. That's But awesome. yeah, I guess, I guess to, to answer your question about how I got to uh, from Australia to America is so eventually I went back and finished my studies university, studying graphic design. And I, I finished um, in 2014 and I knew that by when you, when you, I was an undergraduate degree, so I have a bachelor of design. And by doing that, I knew that I could uh, get this visa to come and work in the U.S. And I already had this idea that I wanted to live abroad somewhere for even a, a short amount of time because I'd never done it before. I'd never been overseas other than America, and I'd never lived overseas. So I knew I wanted to go somewhere, and I thought to myself that, well, this American visa is only a, a valid for one year after you graduate. If you don't use it in that year, it expires So I thought, well, I'll go to America first, and then if I wanted to move on and go somewhere else, I can. But I, I do that one first because I only have that year eligibility. So basically that visa was because I studied design and have a degree. Um, the U.S. government and the Australian government have this thing where if you have a bachelor degree or a postgraduate you know, um, degree, you're able to go for one year and find a job and work as an exchange kind of thing. So... I just moved um, and, you know, saved up for like basically an entire year and then moved in April of 2016 with kind of no real plans for anything. Like, I, I, to be honest, I wasn't really like planning on, um, you know, going and taking on the rolling world, you know, in California or anything like that. Like, my ideas were wherever I moved, It has to have a place where I feel like I can skate. Like I don't want to go somewhere. Like as I took a trip in 2014, and um, I, I realized that there were areas of the United States that I didn't feel like I could live in because of the weather was too extreme and you couldn't skate, you know, all year round. So in the end, my choice for Los Angeles was because uh, it wasn't as expensive as San Francisco, which is my number one choice yeah i could imagine um, you in san francisco for sure yeah more like a few more a few years ago than now sure sure definitely but um but yeah so it was it was it was kind of like i knew that i would i don't know sort of a naive choice actually i felt well i didn't really know much about los angeles i'd stayed there a little bit like i stayed with brandon agretti and 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 lonnie um for you know a few nights but i didn't really have an idea of what los angeles was But I figured there's so much industry here and there's so many creative people that it must be some kind of like allure to the place that must, you know, there must be something of interest. So I kind of went on a whim and I've kind of 
in a way, fell in love with the city um, since being here. It, it, at first, it really, really wasn't that. I arrived and I remember driving to where I first lived at my friend Michael Decker's house. It, I, it was like sun bleached. It was so bright. It was just like rugged concrete everywhere, like just so much advertising. And it just looked really disheveled and coming from Melbourne, which is a really nice, you know, clean, very green um, city. I was like, wow, is this really where I want to live? Um, but, but, but then it's really like I started to realize that those are kind of like interesting um, personality traits, you know, characteristics of Los Angeles. That I actually really kind of love and know that that's just a part of its charm. And then it's underneath that, that there's the, uh, there's, the kind of character of it that you can you you find not on the surface level which is the idea of this glamour and beauty that's kind of not actually really it it exists in the city but it's not everyone's reality for the most part but so anyway i guess to to get the story back on track i arrived in los angeles and lived here for a year and then i was able to i really was enjoying myself and i had developed such a a good you know, a group of friends of, uh, who I was skating with, which was Michael Decker, um, Spencer Eckel, and Malcolm Hurd, you know, who'd, who'd started mm-hmm. Chinatown Hardware. And then, like, we, we also, you know, there was also other people who were around, like um, Sean Santa Maria was sometimes, like, coming out and skating as well uh, from time to time. And then there was a period where, um, um, like, Ed, um, like, Ed Olfen moved moved here, and he's mm-hmm. and he's still here. And then um, there was just like a whole bunch of people who were who were kind of here, and it was just a really enjoyable crew and a great atmosphere. So I wanted to keep going and here if I could. So I was able to get sponsorship through through my work, and now I'm here um, on a two year visa, and so that's kind of allowed me to stay and continue working on you know skating projects because that's really kind of what my life is at the moment is I I work four days um, and then all my other three days are basically just dedicated to you know doing skating stuff and I like I feel like at the moment I've I'm the most productive and passionate and um, enthusiastic that I've ever have right. and I feel really really great about skating right now that's awesome <laughs> Tell I, hope I, I hope that's i hope that's answered the question like how i got it here it does it does but 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 actually i didn't i, I mean i guess to say it's short because i've spoken about it a lot but you also asked the differences between america you know or should i say the united states and australia there is there is a lot of difference but there's also a lot of similarities and the thing is there's um like it's more of the subtle cultural differences that really differentiate, um, you know, my experience in the United States to Australia. Because, to be honest, growing up in Australia, there's a lot of, you know, um, you know, quote unquote, American influence, and it's become even more so um, as the years have progressed. Because, you know, it was a British colony, um, so a lot of the, um, you know, cultural influences were definitely coming more from Britain and also Europe. But then as time has gone by, basically from Internet, uh, kind of the late the late 90s onwards, it's very much um, an Americanized society. So there wasn't a lot of like, you know, differences when I came. It's a huge city, Melbourne. So that's very similar to Los Angeles. So I didn't really feel like out of place whatsoever. It's just more of like 
you know, subtle cultural differences of food and language. And, you know, there's also things like Los Angeles is a, a terrible transportation system. You need a car. And it's just subtle things. But overall, it's very sort of similar. It's more, to be honest, like, you know, people, I think I've, I've spoken with, with someone recently that I feel like I could live in most kind of, you know, uh, cities of the world, so to speak. As long as I have like like-minded people that I'm around, you know, and obviously that would include, you know, skaters. Um, I feel like I could live in most places. It's just, um, it's like the differences, like particularly in the United States, is when it gets on a more political level and how terrible, you know, the healthcare system is, and <laughs> and you know, private healthcare, and just uh, you know, um, and just how kind of grand the concept of capitalism is here do you have an health insurance exploits people yeah do you have um i i I have i do i do i have travel insurance um okay so i I, you know i I can't just go to the the you know the doctor and and get it really cheap i would i sort of can only really use it if it's under like yeah extreme circumstances so that's that's fine i feel like i live a pretty healthy life so i don't yeah (laughs) okay so your (laughs) answer to the question that I made you was quite long, but there was one thing that he said sure. that made me yep. think of a new question that I didn't thought before. What exactly okay. was China or is Chinatown hardware? What do you guys made or what was the plan to do with it or what's the okay. state of it? China- well, sure. Uh, well, um, I mean, I guess that's more uh, my involvement really more just specifically, I guess, as a skater. Um, but it was something that was started by Spencer Eckel, who is a skater from Chicago who moved out to Los Angeles. And uh, also, he, um, he good friends with Malcolm Hood, who's another uh, mm-hmm. Chicago skater who moved out a little bit after um, Spencer. And basically, they had just moved at the beginning of 2016. So when I arrived in April 2016, I had like briefly met Spencer in Chicago in 2014, and it was natural that like I was going to you know meet up with them and, and skate like we'd already spoken to one another to do so, and it yeah it was just like a, a, an instant kind of friendship and a, we share obviously a similar perspective on on skating and what we want to skate and and what kind of you know sessions like and whatnot so. It was very easy to, to, to be with them. And I knew that they had started Chinatown um, when I was in Australia. So I guess they were in the early stages of whatever they were doing with that. But I just hit it. And then I guess naturally Malcolm was making a film. And then I just grew to be a part of that. And so the idea, I think, from, from Malcolm was handling all of the video stuff for Chinatown. Mm-hmm. And Spencer was, I guess, more of the one kind of going to be you know running the company so uh spencer works in the fashion industry and he studied fashion so he has an interest in clothing so i mean you know he with uh assistance from other friends of his who are designed like graphic designers and illustrators like designed uh some of the, the t-shirts so they've made a bunch of t-shirts and i guess spencer's idea is that he wanted to create a company that He called it hardware because he wanted it to be more open that he could have the potential to do hardware if he wanted to in the sense of he he was always inspired by Senate, how they had the nuts and bolts, and they were kind of a larger company than just, you know, wheels. So, um, I mean, 
I think the the idea of, of Chinatown as a business, I guess, is still there. And I think, you know, Spencer still has um, ideas or ambitions to do things. But if it's kind of funny, because I feel like Chinatown has also just become more of a, a concept of a family, of a group of skaters. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a crew, right? Um, kind of, yeah. It's sort of like that. Because, I mean, Spencer had... Um, I know like there hasn't been a product, so to speak, made for a while. And Malcolm kind of stopped uh, filming a while ago as well. And so there was kind of like a, a sort of change of, of, of what's happening. But I feel like the spirit of Chinatown will kind of always be there amongst us and our, and our friends. And, and so I'm currently actually working on a film, which is almost, um, it's, it's almost finished. And that, in a sense, is basically collaboration with Chinatown because it's all of us, our friends. So, um, you know, it's featuring myself and Sean Dust and Michael Decker and Spencer. Um, and half of that is actually filmed by, uh, by Malcolm um, when he was still living in Los Angeles. So half of the, half of the footage which we've collected filmed by Malcolm and the other half has been filmed by me. So this is very much yeah, a collaborative project. So I feel like Chinatown still exists it may exist more as, as a spirit as opposed to uh, a company. But yeah, that's, I hope that kind of explains as to what. Yeah, exactly what we needed yeah. to hear. Now tell us something. Cool. Your relation with yes. damn skates. I know that I know what you've been doing with them, but a lot of people might not know. Sure. And when okay. did you first yep. heard of damn skates? Or when did you first heard okay. of it? And when did you first saw the sure. first samples? Okay. Well, um, I guess as, as this discussion, our conversation has gone through, it might be evident that I'm rather good friends with John and have developed a good relationship with him over the years. And so um, John told me quite a long time ago, I can't even remember exactly when it was, but um, it was definitely at least early last year. And he told me that he was looking to um, make, a, you know, make a skate, that the idea of making his own skate company was something he wanted to do. And I, um, you know, wholeheartedly believed in John and, and felt like it was the natural, next natural progression for him, you know, as someone who's been in rollerblading for so, so long to really take full control of, of a product, you know, and a brand. And so, and, 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 and also to see where, you know, um, where he was with Vala and, and wasn't working, you know, and what he could change if he was able to control it himself. So I wholeheartedly believed in what he do and eventually told me he was going forth with it. And again, I probably saw the first sample, which was, oh no, sorry, not the sample. He, he brought back the boot, which was the mold. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, he told me that a lot of, a few people he had told, because he didn't tell that many people, but a few people he told, they didn't really seem to like it. But I remember looking at it with him and kind of seeing that I really think that there's promise in this skate because it, I mean, it does have a, it, it, it sort of features, I felt, the combination of like a V13, but then also somehow it combines a Solomon as well, you know, more of like a, a wideness to it and a more mm-hmm. rounded sort of shape because a lot of people love Solomons and there was one of the things that people felt was, you know, V13s, that it was too narrow for their foot. So I really felt that, that there was promise for it. 
and I, you know, kind of encouraged him to, to say that there's promise here. And did you help with the, he, did you help with the with the adjustments done to the to the mold? Well, yeah. So then then he brought back uh, a second, the first sample, and so the first skate was a really really shiny uh, um, black with a. Uh, a liner which had a neon green through it and then it also nice. had the little the, yeah it looked, it looked kind of similar to the usd um richie eisler avion yeah, yeah, yeah and so that 80s um, retro look <laughs> exactly exactly so the second the mold the, the first kind of sample was a matte version of the skate the little like bumps which were close to the eyelets were all smoothened out so they weren't there anymore and then he'd also develop salt plate And so when you saw that, it was like, wow, this is really transforming into something completely different. Um, and then uh, I knew that uh, Sean Dust was going to be part of the, the company. Um, I knew that John was working with Cruz and that Cruz and Sean were going to, you know, I guess be representing them in, in when it's going to be announced. And then, so I guess I was just more as someone who was a friend you know, to John and like, we I'm would just talk about what Ben first. was and everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He would just confide in me and, and whatnot. And so, but then they wanted to obviously film something to promote the, the release of it. And I'd been filming with, with Sean, um, from a, a couple of months, maybe three months or so, uh, from, from my video. And Sean actually mentioned it to John. He was like, I think you know maybe it'd be a good idea to ask Robbie if you want to film the promo um, because Sean, you know, uh, me and Sean skating together was just like a no-brainer and it was always such a great, easy, you know, working relationship to film. And um, Sean really liked what um, I had been producing film-wise in skating edits and, and whatnot, and he believed in what I could do. So I think John also, um, you know, felt the same. So it just felt like a natural thing to go forward so we just started going out and and filming for the, the and promo. you were also close um, to them right that, that also makes made a huge difference yeah i mean like i yeah exactly i'm like because i uh, sean lives in you know like 15 minutes from my house and i'd known john for so long and like i'd also you know um had been friends with Cruz for a number of years as well at Cruz in 2009. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, I, he, you know, he always lived in Long Beach. So even when I moved to L.A., I didn't see him all the time because I guess we tend to skate in L.A. more so than going to other cities like Long Beach and whatnot, which is more like an hour away, but also mm -hmm. traffic can be longer. But, but so, yeah, I'd known Cruz for a long time as well. Um, I'd never filmed for him, um, never filmed him. But, yeah, it was very, very easy. And it was such a fun experience like doing that promo and one of the other things about it as well is that i guess might be interesting to you is that i i've, I've been around you know filmmaking and rollerblading for so many years with a lot of my friends who are the ones who were the, you know the camera operators and the editors and whatnot and i would maybe help you know like i could you know film you know second angle or film someone doing a line or whatever mm -hmm. but i was never really the one to make my own films because There's sort of like a thing in skating where I feel like within your crew, there's always like one person who almost becomes the designated filmer and the one who makes a video. Yes. And it's kind of sometimes hard to also have someone else come into that mix and to then 
you're like, oh no, we're gonna film for mine. So I always just helped <laughs> my other. I, I, I always like I always just helped my friends, you know. So like I grew up skating with um, Ryan and Scott Farrell, who were Farrell Media, and they made the Neon Roller Ballad. And then I was, you know, my be- one of my best friends, Jared Sakurai, Like I skated with him, and he was the filmer. So it was, it was his uh, his film. And then I skated with Craig Smith, and it was, and I did Seven Rats, and that was his film. And then I went, you know, would film with uh, Dom West for Chapter Two, which Jared also helped film for that as well. But it was also always these other people. And then I moved to California, you know, to Los Angeles, and I filmed with Malcolm for Paycheck. So this and this was the sort of first time that was me the one who saw me because malcolm was selling his camera so i bought um you know i wanted the ca- i wanted the camera to stay within the our group of friends so i bought the camera from malcolm and i guess i assumed the role of the filmer in our crew so i what, started what camera was that was re- Is it- uh panasonic hvx 200 okay is it so the, f- was is a, it the 4k it was- one is that the the one no 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 it's it's the first no, it's version just, of it, it yeah there's a new one Yeah, it's an old, you know, it's an older HD camera, yeah. but, you know, it has a servo zoom and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, it, it was the first time that I really felt that I was, uh, like, I had the opportunity and almost the responsibility to be the one to film my friends. So as much as I wanted to skate and do tricks, which I always loved doing, I then had to stop and be like, oh, do you want to film that? And so I was consciously filming my other friends, Sean and Michael and such. So... I guess that experience of doing the them promo was me having the opportunity to make a film or a short film and I, I loved it and I, I've always really enjoyed editing as well I actually have edited more so than being the camera operator in the past for skating films because I've edited friends skating stuff as opposed to filming it that, but that's awesome it's just, so I would always the truth is I would expect knowing how close Ivan Nares and And John R. I would expect <laughs> at first to see that video being made by by Ivan or something. But the truth is, when I saw it, true, yeah, done by you, like it's amazing. I love it. It's. I would say that. Oh, thank you. I don't know if you if you kind of have like the same. I don't know how to explain. It, it kind of feels like your style, style of editing. Yeah, your style of yeah. filming and editing also reminds me of what Patrick Reader is doing. I know that you guys are friends, but sure, yeah. it, it, yep, it, yeah. it's kind of like goes along. I don't know if it goes with you too. Well, I'll say, I'll say I'll, I, can, I can talk a bit about that because I feel like I've always, you know, been observing the way, um, like, I guess this comes, I guess this comes back to like talking about style and the way I dress them or not. I, I feel like I'm, I'm a really good observer. Like I look at things and I can appreciate aesthetics and styles, you know, and, So I've always been, I always looked at what other people did as the way to do things. And then it's, you know, as growing up, I always like imitated people because I saw that what they did was the best. And it's only really in time, that, like, like I said, with the way I dress and the way I've chosen to skate is it's developed into my own way of seeing things, own self-expression. So the filming, like I've always loved filmmaking, you know, and that's also with narrative films and, and you know, and such, um, cinema but with skating like i because i was filming with malcolm i sort of would see how he would film and how he'd approach to look at the trick and you know and whatnot and i would kind of try replicate how he did it because i knew the way i would film him 
it fit in with his his, his movie, right? Mm-hmm. So I naturally started to, I guess, develop those practices in the way of seeing things uh, which would mirror what Malcolm and Patrick and such were doing. Um, and I guess, like, one of the things I feel like that's similar with about all of them is it's kind of a more focused, it has a more cinematic approach, I think, it's really uh, trying to focus on not just the trick, but also trying to convey a sense of emotion through it because really the takes are kind of longer. You know, you're maybe focusing on uh, the facial expression or the movements of the skates and trying to be more emotive overall with how to capture the skating. At least that's that's how when I've had this opportunity to make stuff myself is kind of how I'm approaching it. I'm, I'm, I've always felt there's more to skating than just the physical act of performing the trick. There's, you know, there's a whole, and I actually made a short film about it in my final year of high school. Tried to, you know, at least I did it very poorly, I'll say. But, uh, but it was, it was trying to basically express the idea of the mental, you know, kind of um, uh, roller coaster ride that skaters go through when we're performing tricks. You know, of like having to overcome the fear and anxiety of doing mm-hmm. things. And I've always tried to really. Show focus that. on that n- n- now now that i'm filming someone because i feel like that's such an integral part of skating and if we're able to document that and showcase that i feel like it not only um i think it's 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 not an interesting to skaters themselves because they'll identify with it but it's also i think something that people who don't skate are able to identify with because it's emotive. It's it's humanistic, you know. Where if people are kind of frustrated or they're seeing pain or whatever, you know. So I think well, emotion is something that humans understand. It's not just skating specific. Where if someone's doing a, you know, a a, a true spin top soyal down a handrail, you can't. You know, someone doesn't skate, they may not know the difference between that, you know, and um, yes. and and something else, you know, another technical trick. So. Yeah, that's just kind of how I feel like my approach has been. Okay. Anyway. That makes sense. Yeah. Now, something that is maybe it maybe is related with it, maybe is nothing, maybe has nothing to do with it. You remember like okay. back in the days, most yep. of the most of the skate videos, they used to have like a a full section. Nowadays, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's but it's kind of like goes with what you were saying, you know, it's it's different sure. because it's not about like Yeah. It's it's not as deep as what you were talking about right now. But the truth is, right? We don't have them anymore. Why do you think that happens? Why do you, like? Man, I'm not saying that we need those. And I used to hate those. I used to sure. look to the side. Yeah. But somehow it used to be a big thing, and now we don't have them anymore. No full section. Well, I can definitely say something about that. So, I I don't really think it's that valuable to have an, a, an entire section that's dedicated purely to the falls. I really feel like it's something that was like a product of its time, you know, the 90s. Because mm-hmm. um, it was obviously this whole part of, you know, aggressive skating about like you know, withstanding the injury and seeing the kind of carnage and whatnot sort of seemed to be a part of the culture. But like for me, I think I, I like it's funny because a lot of a lot of skate films really um, sometimes they don't show any falls. And, 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 you know, that's completely fine as well. But I actually feel like I'm I'm pro-falls being shown. It just depends on what they are or, like, 
what you're kind of trying to say by the choice of using that fall. Because by showing a fall, it can really show struggle, you know, it can, or it can show the implications of what could go wrong with the act of what we do, which is inherently dangerous, regardless of what kind of scale you do your tricks on. You don't have to do a drinking corral that's 10 by 10 off a roof, you know, uh, for that, you know, that's inherently dangerous, but also just finding a ledge can be dangerous. You could do it wrong and slip and you could fall wrong and hit your head. Mm-hmm. Like it's all inherently dangerous. So like, I don't necessarily think it's, it may not be appropriate to show a horrific fall in a film. Like, I don't know if I would, um, do that. Like, I'm not saying no, but it's more like maybe the viewer doesn't need to see someone like breaking their ankle you know, in a compound fracture yeah, or something. But, but you know, for, like, for instance, let's take the them promo, for example. The, the last part where you see Sean on the gap, it starts with him falling. And you see the kind of mental struggle that he's experiencing and the kind of level of frustration because that's a big – I mean, you see the gap until after that uh, showcase of emotion. But it, it, it highlights that all the effort that goes into performing that trick – you know, it's, and the risk it takes factor. a toll. And the risk factor. Yeah, you know, and, 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 and we all know as skaters, like, how many times sometimes when you're trying something that involves a lot of physicality and, like, the taking of impact and whatnot, it really wears you down physically and mentally. Like, there's a point sometimes if you, if you haven't landed it after 10 tries, you may not land it at all because you don't have the energy or the mental, you know, uh, focus to perform it anymore and so i think it's kind of important sometimes uh, where applicable to kind of highlight that and so that might be a fall so i think they still have their place it's just like there's ways of doing it tasteful and maybe there's ways where it's not so tasteful <laughs> if awesome. that is the question yes it does cool. awesome so i have to tell you something and i have to tell this to the to the people listening to this still because we've it's it's almost one and a half hour of talk but okay, <laughs> it's all good. I, I need to tell you. I, th- I told you before, but I need to tell everyone about this. So basically, usually, I'm at the skate shop almost every day, and there's a few yep. videos that we play. And there's one video that when we used to be in the skate park, because we moved out of the skate park, when that video yep. part used to play, somehow people used to stop and watch. And that was your uh, Vine Street chapter two section i don't know it's oh, it's all cool. the color it's the way you skate it's the way you move it's the way you dress it's the way it's filmed obviously it's the music the whole thing i just have to say yep. congratulations to you and obviously to dom west it's just somehow oh, thank you from i it's there's a lot of stuff playing and there's like the latest right. DVD, uh, vod's there's there's a lot of things playing but somehow right. that seems to be one of the catchiest things that I put on TV. So I might have sold a few pairs oh. of skates because of that video. So thank you so much. That's awesome. Seriously, that's awesome. I just have to say thank you. <laughs> Sick. Thanks, man. <laughs> and I guess that was it. That was... I'm really, really happy with it. Oh, I don't know okay. if there's anything else that you want to talk about. Is there anything that you would like to talk? Um. Well, I'm in... I feel like we could talk for hours. I know, so I, know like I know, I know, no, no. <laughs> I, I guess, I guess, if I were to to end it with anything, I just feel that um, 
I would like to just tell anyone who's listening, you know, um, just to obviously just enjoy skating and never to be afraid to, you know, go a little different, you know, to do like if, 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 if you feel compelled to do something that might be unusual to your friends or even to yourself, but there's like an inclination within you telling you to try that or to be a bit more experimental or whatever, like just take that chance because I really feel like in life you you get the most when you're kind of like on the fringe where you put yourself in a state of vulnerability and you 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 kind of have to innately act and be confident and to have conviction and go forth. So I think like just try because there's no like there's no like time than than the moment. I've I feel like I have been burdened by perfectionism my entire life and I feel like right now it I like have like learnt to kind of compromise so to speak whereas like I was withheld by my perfectionism for a lot of times that would stop me from um, achieving and being productive and so I think just just make you know just go out there and like do do whatever and try things and like you know just just be respectful and be joyful and just just be just have a good experience out there in skating because there's so many ways you can do it and like I grew up you know in the time where I really feel like it was very kind of one way and I honestly thought that I never I still have problems with this I never thought I was that good of a rollerblader like I never thought I was a good skater and I look at myself now and, and people appreciating what I do and someone's like, I can't understand it and I can't believe it because I've never seen myself in you know through that same perspective because I'm always, always comparing myself to other people, you know, and I I think that's one of the things that like I knew I was never going to be able to be, you know, um, like Brian Aragon you know, or as technical as Ian McLeod or, you know, as, or as um, kind of wild and crazy as uh, Klaus Pianowski or Stefan Hongak or something, you know, like I didn't have the inclination to walk, to seek that, to do it. So I was always intrigued by other skaters who had it a little bit differently, like Chase Rushing or, you know, Ollie Short, Santa Maria, Mike Eager. So, and... I, you know, at a session when everyone was trying one thing, I would kind of go off and try something else, you know. So, as a, as a message, look, never feel that whatever the norm is and you not being able to see yourself as identifying with it or, or like, that there is no measure of what is good, you know, or the best or the way you should do it. You know, because you can do what you want to do and you can be skillful at it. And in the end, you can you can uh, convey a sense of joy and you can get other people on skates and you can just inspire people. You don't have to jump off a roof. You can if you want, but it's in the end, it's like if you're just like do what you do and that you can let that like externally, you know, be seen by people. I feel like that resonates with people and they can identify with that more. And that's however your approach is. So just, yeah, go forth and do as you do and learn along the way. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Amazing. I, I, like, I, I was just like, no, nah, man. <laughs> I don't know. 
You got, you got these pictures. Thank you so much. I'm going to be using these last part. Oh, no worries. I'm, I'm seriously going to use this last part of you just talking. And I'm going to need you just scanning flat ground. I really need that footage. And I'm going to use this little Okay, piss. I will do that for you. I'll yes, man. I, I will use this little piece of you talking with that <laughs> of you scanning flat. And I can see it, man. It's just, oh, my God. I'm excited about this one. Thank you so 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 much for your time and for for what you've been doing for all of us skaters oh, you're and, welcome Ricardo. and keep just, thank you for this opportunity oh man you kidding me like no thank you I, I guess like the rest of the world is whoever listened this to this it's really grateful and it's it's happy to have you <laughs> in the skating industry so thank you thank very you, much thank that you means so, a lot thank you so so much and i hope to see you soon Thank you for today and have a good night. I'm going to have will. a good day. <laughs> Cheers, man. Yeah, you do. All right, man. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Robbie. Cheers, man. See you, Ricardo. Cheers. Take care, mate. Bye. Bye. And that was it. Mr. Robbie Pitts. I don't even know what to say. Like, he got me speechless. I, I just, when he talks, it's just like, I don't know. I was never into poetry or I was never into reading books and But listening to Robbie talking about skating is just motivating. I don't know. I don't know about you guys. It's morning here. I want to say thank you to everyone who listened to this. If you really enjoy what you listen today, and if you're not subscribing to this channel, maybe do so. There's a little subscribe button. If that is red, you're going to need to press on it, and it's going to become gray. And then in front of it, there will showing a bell if you press on that bell you'll get notifications every time I upload one of these in your phone or on your email and it's a good way for you to be one of the first ones to listen to this other than that if you like this one do not forget to give me some thumbs up and the reason why I always say that it's whenever you give me thumbs up whenever you like you comment a video you're basically telling YouTube the YouTube algorithm <laughs> that you enjoy these videos and youtube is going to suggest these videos to more people and it's a way for all of us to make inland skating blading like some people call it rollerblading whatever you want to call it more popular and somehow to make this grow so thank you guys so much and like i always say please do not forget why we all started skating because it's fun cheers and see you soon Até quando?